It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. Now we're live. Yes. Okay. It is Carcon Carney. There's always that hesitation of me wondering if I did something wrong. Uh, it is Carcon Carney. I'm James Van Osdell. Welcome to it. Welcome back to the working week. A little program note before we begin tonight's show. Tomorrow, an early, late afternoon, early evening, Carcon Carney recording. Why is Malort the signature spirit of Chicago. What is it about Malord? What is it about Malord's history? It's, it's flavor. It's Wormwood. Tomorrow at 5 p.m., I'll be talking with Tremaine Atkinson. He is the owner and head distiller of CH, and uh, he's the guy behind Malort in its current incarnation. It is all Chicago, and we're going to dig deep into all things Malort tomorrow at 5 Get your Malort. Get your old style ready. Have a handshake while you listen and or watch. So my guest tonight... He is Robert Bach. He is the the single human behind the Well Tempered, which is a synthy, moody, wonderful band musical project that I enjoy. Good evening, Robert Bach. Thank you for having me. Sound wise, I, I think it's easy to label the Well Tempered as goth because the music is dark, the music is haunting, but there is that melodic cinematic it's almost an approachable sound it's approachable goth it's, I, I kind of paint you in the same corner as depeche mode and new order and a little bit of nine inch nails thrown in there too i mean that's that's huge obviously those are probably the main influences but i mean i really do enjoy like the darker kind of grittier grungy goth music and the kind of industrial stuff but i still kind of lean towards i don't know real poppy melodies in a lot of the songs too that are kind of blended in so i never really quite fit in with the hardcore industrial crowd right I, I couldn't really ever get a good scream that i liked and i always just liked singing and you know like i came from playing in like obviously like rock bands and stuff where i just liked grew up with like the smashing pumpkins and stuff so i loved just like melodies and singing and choruses and kind of all blends together now you moved back to chicago but you, were, are you a born and raised chicago area person yeah, yeah, I'm from here. And then I, I lived on the East Coast for a while. Um, I lived in Boston and New York for about, I lived in New York for about seven years, played a bunch of shows out there. Um, I kind of had another solo project that was sort of reminiscent of this, where I played with some people out there. And then kind of out of frustration of trying to play shows in New York, I wound up kind of taking a year there and just writing as much material as I could. And then I wound up coming back to Chicago, which is where I'm from. And uh, that's kind of how the Well Tempered was born. It was born out of that kind of frustration and just needing to kind of start fresh and uh, get something going. And that's kind of where the name came from and just kind of almost like a rebirth as I kind of came back home and tried to just focus on just putting out music. And I've tried to kind of keep putting out this stuff, keeping myself busy and not kind of getting bogged down in the frustration of, you know, the same stuff that most bands go through, which is like building some kind of audience as you go along. So you were frustrated on the East Coast. You wrote those songs there and you said, you know what, New York, you can't have these songs. I'm moving back to Chicago. Screw yeah. you. Yeah. Well, I also, you know, I, I, I had friends here. I had, it was, it's hard, you know, I love New York, but it was really hard to keep band members and everyone's got like, everyone you try to get to play with is in like four bands. 
So then you're, I, I can't tell you how many people I've practiced with for two months and then the first show gets booked and then they're like, I, I can't, I'm, I'm kind of busy. And then I never see him again. And it was just the point where like, I need to kind of restart, get a running start if I'm ever going to get this thing going, just kind of get these songs and just came back. And, and I'm honestly a lot happier. I've been feeling a lot more creatively productive and it's been, it's been good. It's been good. I'm really happy with kind of where I'm at with this music. And this is a question I always have in my head when I think about solo projects, the ability to write and, and visualize or hear in your head all those different parts and how they work together, as opposed to someone who's a guitarist in a band and that person is able to figure out that sound. I mean, you're thinking about the, the beats, the, all the different elements synthesized together, which seems like a big creative puzzle to solve. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's pretty addictive at the same time, because I feel like, you know, it, it's, I've been doing it kind of like this way for a long time where I kind of take everything and assemble it. And then I kind of have obviously live, it is with other members, like there's a band, I have a drummer and, and, uh, but it is kind of like a fun creative project to watch the layering. And honestly, the layering is the part where I have to kind of reel it in because it's easy to just like build and build and build working in computers. And you don't have like, you're not in a studio where you have a limited number of tracks. So it's easy to kind of let your creativity run wild, but that's a fun challenge too, is kind of controlling yourself while you're also have almost infinite room to expand on these songs. But yeah, it's, it's pretty addictive to have that kind of creative freedom when you're by yourself. And especially when you start building these ideas, it becomes really, really exciting. I bet. But yeah. I, I was trying to think of when I first heard the well-tempered and I just started digging and, and going back through my stuff. I realized that I found you on Bandcamp. Oh, really? I, yeah. I, I found you there a couple years ago and I, I found the email. I requested that you send me music for my show, Demo 312. Yes, that's right. I was very flattered and surprised because, you know, obviously my formative years were spent listening to Q101, <laughs> listening to you on Q101. And then I moved back to Chicago. It's like, I'm going to start over. Here I go. And then you emailed me. I was just, I, I was a little bit shocked. It was kind of, it was a really <laughs> good moment, to be honest. Uh, and that all said, if you are a local musician listening, it's much easier if you send me stuff uh, for my show. I, digging is hard, uh, but sometimes I find gold like I did with the well-tempered. And I remember the, the first song that I really connected to uh, of yours is The Void is a Mirror. Yeah. I played that a few times on my show. I love that. Uh, and that. Could that be a more goth title? I don't think so. The Void is a Mirror. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's all about despair. If I had a soul, it would have left me for I cannot provide. There was a chance now looking back to make up answers to find. Uh, you seem cheery and, and, and lively, but there's definitely that darkness. It's, uh, it's a good avenue for it, for sure. I mean, that's, that's what the music is for. I, I, it is funny because lyrically, I kind of will, uh, it's almost kind of a stream of consciousness writing, and then I'll I'll go about my day and I'll come back and kind of look at the lyrics and it's not really the way I speak necessarily. It's not, I don't sit there and just kind of brood all the time, but <laughs> it's definitely a good, it's definitely a side of me that I can express in the songs. And I, I really enjoy it. Lyrics are very, I don't say I, it's one of those things where I really love writing music and I love playing music, but writing sometimes it's like you have to get in the right headspace for it. And it becomes something that I kind of put off because it's, you do have to kind of like get in that space to find those, find those moments and find those lyrics. 
Yeah, it's not like working in a cubicle where someone says, I need you to be productive. I need you to do X, Y, and Z by 5 p.m. You can't, sure. you can't put a deadline on that. You can't put that much structure on it. It kind of has to be, you have to, like you said, you have to be in that, in that groove, in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's really rewarding, but it, it does take some time, which is, again, kind of comes back to why I moved back to Chicago was, you know, it's, it's hard. To, you need you need to be ready to kind of grab those moments when you have them and you have to be able to kind of give yourself the freedom to do it. And I felt like I was being, I just needed a little air to breathe in a way, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's so ethereal because it's just like your mood and like your environment. And uh, you can kind of, people can work with what they have, but I felt like that was the right thing for me. And then at the end of the day, I kind of felt I've put out more music that I've liked in just a couple of years living in Chicago and like the whole time I was just like struggling and just kind of straining. I felt like I was kind of choking the life out of what I was doing. So I was so obsessed with trying to like get someone's attention and just trying to like stand out in that scene that it starts to kind of make you doubt yourself. And it's just, and it's I, I feel like, I feel like this city is more welcoming of the kind of stuff you do. I, I feel like this town is, I mean, readily embraces your type of sound. Yeah, I mean, you know, going back to the, I wasn't really involved in like the wax tracks days, but right. like, I feel like that that's a huge heritage that the city has going back with like, you know, hot dogs and deep dish pizza. You know, you think about that scene and it's, you know, going to like the, the Coal Waves Festival and at, like the annual festival that is in Metro. And it's just, you see that community that was kind of before my time, but it's really heartwarming and everyone's really close and it's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's really nice. It kind of feels like a good place to kind of present yourself here, you know, without a doubt. So the most recent EP from the well-tempered is three sisters. It's three songs. People call it chatter. I was the poison. What will become of us? These are songs that were your reaction to the pandemic last year. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it was something I just, I wanted to keep busy. I feel, I, you know, I've got a lot of music since then that I've been writing, but I'm kind of waiting for the right cohesion for, to kind of put out another record. Um, but it was, it was just kind of, again, it was almost a thing where I was kind of writing in the moment of how I felt. And as the songs were coming out, these kind of like this kind of storyline was, was forming kind of in front of me. And that's why when you listen to that record, like the people call it chatter, literally starts with crowd noise which at the time I, I had recorded that at a show that I was just at, just kind of like, this was interesting. Like the singer was kind of talking to the crowd and he was observing the kind of beauty of the noise of just people in a room together. And I was like, this is interesting. I just recorded it on my phone, like a voice memo, just kind of like, that might be a cool atmosphere thing for a song. I do that all the time. So, you know, I don't always use them, but then when I was listening back to that kind of ideas and voice memos I recorded, I heard this crowd noise and this guy just kind of, sitting back and going like this is beautiful like this and he it, that's this the, the line this title is from that him going like what do they call it people call it they call it chatter and then you listen to it and then at the end of the song it goes like a like a vat like goes like and stops and then that's it goes in this really tight kind of synth arpeggio and it kind of does represent like the end of hearing crowds yeah and then it goes on to kind of like the what's going on and kind of the chaos of like the transition. And then the last song, obviously, what will become of us is a pretty obvious title of like, now what do we do? 
And like, mm-hmm. remember when things were shutting down, people were saying, well, you know, obviously like, we'll see if this lasts a week. Like I couldn't imagine it going more than a month, right. you know, like that was the kind of the talk with everybody and kind of going back. It really does. Each song almost has like a progression in it too. And it's, it's a three song EP that, you know, it's only three songs, but I really feel like it paints a really good picture, at least from my perspective of how I was feeling and kind of like the before, during and after phase. And then the, the title, the title three sisters comes from a term of um, rogue waves that would hit boats in the center of the ocean where there's stories of like rogue waves that would come up that would just be like a hundred feet out of nowhere and just wipe off those giant like freighter carriers and they would just disappear in the middle of the ocean. And then there's different types of rogue waves. And one of them is called, they call it the three sisters because it's one, two, three. It's like a small one, a giant one that just takes it out. And then one that kind of like quietly goes back after it. And I felt like that's kind of what we all got hit with at the same time. Yeah. And we all kind of just disappeared in a way and got buried in this. And it just kind of, was something I was really happy to kind of get out. And I'm really happy that it kind of came out the way it did. And uh, it was, it was fun, not fun, but it was kind of rewarding to put something out that I was feeling in the moment quickly. And I just kind of recorded it, posted that it was coming out in like a week or so, and then just released it myself online, which is the beauty of just being able to like present it to the world right? yourself and not have to, I mean, I would love to press like a box set of vinyl of all the EPs I've put up since I moved back, but there's something to be said for just, putting out something that people are going to listen to it this style anyway, whether it's streaming or digital and just having that and just being able to kind of present it in the moment and almost be like, I wrote and recorded these like two weeks ago and now you're hearing it in any country in the world. It's pretty amazing. I totally agree. And I love the concept and learning the, the origin of three sisters is really cool. And it's totally apropos. What I like about this though, the, the songs on three sisters, three sisters overall, it's evergreen. If I were to listen to this five years from now, without the context that you just gave, it would, it would still hold up. The lyrics I think are abstract enough that people can internalize them in different ways. And they don't have to draw that straight line to the era of COVID-19. I think these songs can exist separate from these memories. Yeah, that's, that's huge. That's, I mean, that's, it's very nice, very flattering you say, because I do think that a lot of the song, I don't, I don't love to talk about the, um, the literal definition behind lyrics a lot. I, I'd love to just leave the lyrics. I mean, on Bandcamp, I don't know, like all my lyrics are on every record for Bandcamp. I've typed and I love out. that you do that. I wish more bands did that. Because yeah. I, 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 lo- I love lyrics. I love vocals. I love lyrics. And that's, that's what I like to do. Yeah, because I, lo- I, I do. I am proud of the lyrics. And I, and I like, you know, I put a lot of work into them. And then I like to kind of put them out there for people to interpret because, you know, you know I feel like, I do sometimes a song will be a very, very specific thing, but I'll write it in a way that almost sounds kind of like a love song. So if someone's going through something and they listen to this song, they're not going to think about a deadly pandemic or something. They're going to be longing for somebody else, you know right. what I mean? Some kind of romantic um, situation. And then, cause I mean, when, you know, gr- we're listening to music as I grew up, like sometimes you listen to a song and then you hear a band talk about it and they're like, Oh, that was about like this goldfish I had, or I was like, my car broke down one day and I thought it was, this love song. And I was like imagining about a certain person. So I, I kind of like to leave the lyrics open. Like, like you were saying where it doesn't necessarily, it's not literally something, but it, it is to me, but it could mean a lot of things to different people. 
And it's, it's fun. I mean, that's kind of how like that song that um, the glow that was just played the other night um, was obviously. Wait, wait. Robert, would you say the glow was just played on demo three, one, two on one, one WKQX Sunday nights at 10 o'clock? Yes, that was the one. Got it. Okay. <laughs> um, that song was really, it's funny that it was written a while ago because it felt so kind of current for my mind of, of what it was about and about kind of, you know, political and, and violence in the world, but it was written about a totally different situation. And then now kind of still feels the same way, but it, it could be interpreted a lot of different ways. Like each verse kind of has a different perspective on that, on that story. Well, the line that sticks out to me, we carry this rage. Now we sit in the dark, creating, creating the sparks in this powder keg. Yeah. It mean, still works. Still works in January, 2021. Still working. Uh -huh. Which is not, not necessarily a great thing, but it's still working. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great song. That's on uh, Find New Relevance from 2019. So are, are you just, we, we're looking in your gloomy uh, skeletons and roses goth laboratory right now. Are you working on new stuff right now? Absolutely, yeah. Is I've that just your constant state of being, working on new stuff? Uh, pretty much. I mean, you know, there's not a ton else to do these days. It's, it's almost a little right. too much free time where I feel like if I had less free time, I probably would have put something else out by now, but because I can just kind of tinker away on stuff. I'm just kind of developing. And then it's like, speaking of like the, the pandemic, I'm kind of the new kind of concepts now, I feel like is going to go more into um, the mental state of people who uh, kind of get wrapped up in, I don't want to, I don't know. I feel like I don't want to spoil it too much because I don't, I haven't really finished yet, but it's like the idea, the, the thing that's really inspiring me lyrically is like the idea of, like being kind of wrapped up in a cult of personality, which obviously is pretty obviously going on in the world, whether it's um, like re personal relationships or political or anything, but I can write that in a way that sounds very universal mm -hmm. and kind of make almost like a concept record about that. So that's been really driving me and I want to get it right. So it's kind of the amount of free time is sometimes a little debilitating but it's it's good i want to make sure i can get something done now so that when the world kind of goes back to normal i'm not kicking myself for wasting uh all the free time i had but yeah i just um I'm, I'm i'm happy i'm very very fortunate to have like a space i can work in my where i live you know and and be able to do that as we're recording this live on Facebook, as we do every night, every podcast recording goes out live, uh, warts and all, I hope nothing bad ever happens, and it hasn't really yet. But as we're doing this on the Facebook Live comments, a guy whose music opinion I completely trust and respect, Sean McDonough, just checked in saying, yeah. love the, love the well-tempered. This guy knows music. He is a great guy. I, 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 uh, I, I've known Sean in the past, actually. He, he's kind of worked with me on really was a big mentor for me um, early before I moved away. I was in another band called um, of the opera, which was like kind of a, like a solo project kind of thing I was doing. And he was a big, uh, a person who really kept me going. Someone who, who believed in me early on and was really, really, really a huge help in a, in a lot of ways. And I still really look up to him. Yeah. Longtime supporter of Chicago's musicians and music scene. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah. So, well, speaking of Sean, who at one time worked at Metro, you uh, at the beginning of 2020 started Metro in your gig as st stage manager, entered 2020 as stage yeah. manager. Here we are nine, 10 months later. I, it, it's it's been rough. It's it's been hard. And I, I know you. there's nothing you'd love more than to go back and get to work. 
Yeah, it's 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 like I said when we were when everyone was kind of like waving goodbye back in you know was it March of 2019? We're all like, well, we'll see you, we'll see you pretty soon. Like this, well, this is weird, but we'll probably see you in like a week or two. Like there's still, you know, I, I've kind of visited back there here and there, and there's still the posters hanging for the shows that were like just about to happen when everything shut down. It's it's kind of eerie. Yeah, it, it's it's like it's like an apocalyptic movie. Yeah, or like a, yeah. a time travel movie where you go back in time and you you see things the way they were before the happening, before the the singularity. Yeah, it's like the, the the old newspapers for the date are still sitting around on the ground and stuff. It's it's kind of creepy, but um, yeah, it was it was pretty bizarre when when we like you know the last show we had and and all of a sudden we're doing sound check and we're loading in the bands on the stage like we're a few hours from doors and then everyone all of a sudden there's just like you just hear people whispering each other and they're like the governor just tweeted that everything's done and we're like well what are we doing tonight and I remember when we were loading in the band we had a show the band every time I die who's a band that I really love and uh the singer like goes to me as we're just like taking the first guitar out of this their trailer he's like do you think the show's gonna still go on tonight I was like yeah, of course. I mean, we're here. Like, why would like, it's not, we're not shutting down like right this second. Like no one knows what's going on. It's back when what it was like three, 3000 cases in the whole country, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, dude, don't even worry about it. It's fine. We're, we're going to get through tonight for sure. And then halfway through, they're like, uh, we had no idea, you know, Joe Shanahan owner of the Metro was busy on the phone with politicians and people going like, I what are we imagine. doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Like what's happening? And the guitarist of the band is like, um, I just bought a house this year. I hope that the tour isn't canceled, you know, and just I'm like, yeah, me too. So it was it was really it was really surreal. We, you didn't really believe it while it was happening, especially you didn't believe yeah. that it was going to last or longer than a few days. Yeah. Through the new year. Yeah, I know. Well, let's let's spin your your time as stage Metro stage manager at Metro in a positive way. Tell me about some great concert memories. Work in the room. Oh, man. Um the, some of the some of the coolest stuff we ever did was um, like a, so fortunate to be in the, like the Lollapalooza after shows. Like some of those bands that we get in there um, are really great. And I, I mean, I remember um, when Jack White played Metro just a year or so ago. And and you know, it's kind of one of those things where these bands are so big that they have their own crews, and you're kind of just support staff, and you don't really talk to them. It's not like you're hanging out with the band and, right. and uh, we were just kind of standing on main floor, me and the lighting director. And we were standing there and Jack White comes in. He's just like, kind of, he's got his kids there, their crew. There's only like maybe five people over there standing. And we're just kind of standing back sitting there. And then Jack White literally sees us walks the entire length of the room, sticks his hand out and goes like, Hey, I'm Jack. And then just like introduced himself to us. And there was like four people in there. And uh, not a lot of people do that. And it was really nice. That's like a really, I'll never forget that, you know, like a really amazing memory of um, just meeting people and seeing bands like the Foo Fighters playing in like an 1100 cap room. And then uh, there's been some amazing things. And then at the same time, I'll see like smaller bands that just blow the roof off the place. So it's, it's so all over the place. It's hard to even go back and remember because you see shows day after day after day. And um, it's easy to be cynical because you know, you're just like, oh, these guys and these guys and these guys are playing the show. And then but then sometimes you see some stuff that just kind of really you're like, I didn't even expect this. And it was such a good show. And then you kind of have to process it for a few days. Um, 
That's why we keep going to shows for those moments. Yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. It's it's one of those things again. Like it's easy to be cynical and kind of go like, oh, another band or these guys or roll your eyes. But then now you're kind of like, that was a lot of fun. I would I would kind of like to go back to doing that kind of stuff right now. And as you mentioned, smaller bands playing Metro, there is nothing like being in that room and seeing a band on stage, a smaller band, and realizing this will be the last time I get to see this band on a stage like this. Like when, sure. when you see that band clearly on that trajectory where, you know, their next stop is going to be the Riviera or the Aragon. Like, you know, they're about to just completely leapfrog ahead in the career. Yeah. You're there at like that, that moment. That's yeah. super exciting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and, and uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's like some rock bands, but then there's even like some bands like, like uh, you know, some people might not be fans, but, I, you know, I, I think the production, like the songwriting, like when we had like Billie Eilish or something there, like a week before she's playing the United Center and like just teenagers were just like screaming and crying at her meet and greet. And I'm just like, who is this? What, what is this? What is going on? Who is this person? And then of course now it's like the most Googled name of every, of the whole year or something. Right. So it's just, it's, it's weird little moments like that. And uh, we had this band Empire of the Sun that came through that had probably the same like production package they had when they played the Sydney Opera House with like a full LED wall, full cryo, full lasers, truss, strobes, backup dancers. The whole stage was filled with multi-level risers where you couldn't, there was no stage left anymore. It was unbelievable. And they played three nights in a row. And um, that was really amazing. We had to like, yeah, like lugging six giant CO2 cans up the stairs at Metro <laughs> every day for their cryo setup. I mean, at the time you're like, geez, but that's when you get those shows where, you know, Metro, everyone's like, oh, what, uh, where's your elevator? And we're like, there's no elevator. <laughs> you know, cute. when you show up, when you show up with a semi truck of gear, it's getting hand carried up those stairs. So get ready. <laughs> but uh, um, every day yeah, is like, every day is leg day when you're the stage manager at Metro. I best shape of my life, you know, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm I mean, sure. really, really, it's I, I'm. I'm not, I'm a little nervous that I got to kind of get into it a little bit. I start working out before things start over again. Cause you go to work and you don't exactly know what's, what's coming in. You have an idea, but you don't exactly know. You can never expect three days of cryo tanks going up and down those stairs. You can never prepare for that. And they're heavier than you think. You think CO2 it's air. How heavy could it be? It's heavy. It takes three people to like lift that thing up the stairs. All right. So back to the well-tempered. Sure. Uh, I love the music you're, you're doing. I, I think you sound great. Three Sisters is the most recent EP. We can stream it everywhere. They can find you on Bandcamp, as I did back in the day. Yep. Um, but I, I love what you're doing, Robert. Keep, keep sequestered there. And if you're looking for a new hobby while you're stuck there, it would be pretty goth if you picked up an absinthe habit. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I think, you know, yeah. really get really, really dark and really troubled. Just get right to the brink of ruining my whole life. You just, know? Yeah, start creating those Edgar Allan Poe moments for yourself. I like it. That's something yeah. I could do. Yeah, that'd be a good, hard. be a good social media expansion to uh, add to my presence online. You know, that's what I'm saying. You need you need a hook. You need a hook to reel people in. That's right. 